So this psalm is a powerful psalm of protection. We're going to go through this. What we're going to do today is we're going to meditate on this psalm. That means we're going to read the verses. It's 14, no, it's 16 verses long. We're going to read those 16 verses. And we're going to go into what they're talking about. Meditating on it with our heart. Because there's power in the word of God. And this psalm, I believe, is not for me only. God is in the, uh, what's the word? Respecter. Thank you. He doesn't play favorites. He's not a respecter of persons. And he's the same promises for you as for me. So, I'm, you'll see on your sheet the way I organized it. First, um, in italics, I've given you the exact verbiage of the psalm from the New King James Version. And then it's written as a declaration. I gave you all my notes. You got a lot more notes than usual. Because I wanted you to have everything that I have when I meditate on his word. So all my meditations are on that paper. So you'll see the bold words, that's the declaration, and then the meditation is bulleted, the things that I think about, that I talk to God about, about each one of these verses. So here we go. Father, I pray right now before we talk about this psalm, I pray, Father God, that there is an awakening in our soul, an awakening that you love us so much and that you have ordained for us protection. You have gifted us the promise of protection from every evil known to mankind. Father, I pray that there is just rhema that is going like an arrow from this word directly into our heart, directly into our soul. And that we walk out of here stronger than what we walked in. We walk out of here knowing, God, that you care and that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And this promise right here is for every one of us. I declare that over you, Sarah. I declare that over you, Jim. I declare it over you, Rhonda and Robin. And everybody in here, Jared, I declare it over you. And everybody that came in with a need, that this promise is for every one of us. And it's really good. So, Father, we just say, have your way here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in him I will trust. So the first line, my paraphrase is, I will dwell. I choose. It's a choice. I choose God to dwell in the secret place. I choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And I will remain secure and I will rest in your shadow, God whose power no enemy can withstand. So there's two components here. The first part is dwelling in the, in the secret place. That refers to the most intimate, the most familiar place with God himself. It's relationship. The secret place. And the promise is that if we dwell in that secret place, then We'll abide under his shadow where no foe whose power, no enemy, no foe can withstand. We'll be in that resting place of his shadow. But the key is dwelling in that secret place. Now, the secret place is literal. By that, I mean 
It's a literal, it's a literal thing that we do. It's a literal place. And it doesn't have to be the same place every day. But we need secret time with God, secret place time with God on a very, very consistent basis. This has been my life since I received Jesus as my Savior 17 years ago. If I miss a day in the secret place, I feel like I'm starving or dying of thirst. I need that time with God. And it can be different for you, for your lifestyle, for your, the way that you, your body works. But my body, I'm a morning person. I'm retired, but I set my alarm at 530 because that's my time with God. And I want it before Kent gets up. I love my husband, but I want it just me and God. And he gets up about seven. So I have a good solid hour after my snooze goes a couple times. I have a good solid hour with God, just him and me, in the secret place. Now the promise is that we have that shadow. We're under the shadow. So the secret place is literal, but it's also conditional. Because in order to abide under the shadow, we have to dwell in the secret place. We need that familiarity We need that close connection with God. And then the next verse or the next part of my declaration says, I will say of the Lord, I will say, God, you're my refuge. You're my fortress. It's in you, God, that I trust. Notice the first words are, I will say. We need to speak. We need to open our mouth and declare our trust in God. We need to open our mouth and say, God, you are my fortress. You are my refuge. I need you. You're my protector. I lean on you. I rely on you. I trust in you. And no matter what the situation is that you're in, whether it's a physical, whether it's a financial, whether it's a relationship, it doesn't matter. Whatever situation you're in, whatever situation I'm in, I declare to God, I speak it out loud. I say, God, I trust you in this situation. Over the last month, how many times did I say, God, you're good. I trust you. With all my heart, I trust you. I trust your word. I don't care about anything else. I trust you. So declaring our trust is very, very huge. No matter what it is. I have kids I've been believing for. Children I've been praying for for years. You guys know Megan was on that Appalachian Trail for, a, for six months, two summers ago. I refused to worry. But what did I do? I put my trust in God. I laid my hands on that Appalachian Trail map every day. And I said, God, I trust you to protect my daughter. I trust you to guide her. I trust you to keep her from harm. And I declared my trust day after day after day after day. No matter what the setting, what the situation Put it in the hands of God. In Proverbs 3, 5, very, very familiar scripture, but oh, it's so critical. God gives us a direction and it has two parts. He says, trust me, lean on, trust in, be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. But then there's a second part. And he says, do not lean on your own understanding. In this world, we tend to try to lean on our own understanding Figure it out, reason it out, research it out. No, no. God says, lean on me. And when we lean on him, that's what trusting is. When we lean on him, the burden is transferred from us to him. 
the weight, the burden, whatever it is, it's transferred. But when we're leaning on our own understanding, we're carrying the whole weight, the whole problem ourselves. It's so much easier when you let it go. Refuse to let it get in your brain and take up uh, uh, residence in there and say, no, I trust you, God. I don't have to understand it. I just choose to trust you. Now, the whole rest of the psalm, starting with verse 3 all the way to verse 16, relies on verse 1 and 2. When we abide in the, in the secret place, and because of abiding in the secret place, we are literally under the shadow of God where no foe can have any way with you. When we say, God, I trust you, when we truly lean on him and don't keep playing catch, giving him the problem, taking it back, giving him the problem, taking it back, but when we just give it to him and let him keep it, then all the rest of these promises are ours and they're good. Verse three and four, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. So right there's three amazing promises. The first one says he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the trap, from the, the bait of the enemy. Think for just a minute about a trap, any kind of animal trap. Any kind of animal trap is created specifically for that animal. It's baited for that animal. It's placed for that animal. We're fighting moles in our backyard right now. Kent doesn't put a mouse trap out there to catch a mole. Oh, no. It's got to be a lot different than that. Moles aren't going to run around and get the cheese. So he's good at getting moles too, by the way. So that's what the enemy does with us. He baits the trap, knowing where our weak spots are, knowing our hot spots, our weak spots, whatever. But the promise in this word says, God will rescue me from every trap. God will give me the knowledge to say no to the bait. He'll highlight it in your heart and say, stop it, Cindy. Do you hear what you're saying? Stop it. He will bring people to you that will speak life into you or speak truth. Whatever it is, God will give you the way to escape the snare of the fowler. It's his promise. Now, friends, all of these promises are ours, but they're not automatic. We have a part to play. The first part is the secret place and trusting God. But when we declare this word, that's what I do. I take what's in your hands. I sit on my couch. I have a couch in my bedroom, just a quiet place couch. That's where I usually declare the word. And I sit on that couch and I just declare these promises, declare these promises, declare these promises. So he says he will deliver us, rescue us from that trap. And it says that, and he will deliver us from perilous pestilence. Pestilence is a disease. Pestilence could be an epidemic virulent disease like um, some of the diseases we hear about on, on cruise ships or um, places like that. It could be um, in, the, in third world countries, things like cholera or malaria or things like that. 
The promise is that he's delivered us from those. It's our protection. God has rescued us. But it doesn't have to be those kinds of things. It can also be any deadly disease. And as I was preparing this, God spoke to my heart. And he spoke really loud and clear. And he said, Cindy, do not let the fear of cancer, do not let the, 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 it, it, because this is what I do. I'm a minister of healing. I meet a lot of people that are fighting cancer. He said, do not let that put you in a place of fear of the disease. He's the rescuer. He's the healer. He's already done it. And he just almost sternly said, stop it. Don't go there. I am the rescuer. And cancer is right here in that promise. He has rescued us from deadly pestilence. From the fear of it, from any kind of rampage that the enemy's trying to do, that's nothing for our God. That's nothing. And I refuse to be moved. I refuse. In fact, what does it do? It angers me to the point where I run further and harder and pursue God more than I ever had before. In Jesus' name. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. Not cancer. Or any other disease. The next line says, this is probably one of my favorite ones in the whole the whole. Um, Psalm. He will cover me and completely protect me with his feathers. And under his wings I find refuge. So this goes right back to being under the shadow of God. This refers to the sheltering wing of God. I want to talk for just a minute about chickens. (laughs) Then we'll go back to God. Okay, so when a mama hen has a brood of chickens, they hatch out of their eggs, there's a bunch of little chicks. I've I have hatched chicks in the classroom before and, and watched them when they're first babies and how they, how they run and play and just they're crazy. They're fun to watch. They're just cute as can be. But in a chicken yard or a barnyard, they just go everywhere. And if there's a predator that is threatening those chickens, that mother cannot possibly run and gather up all her chicks. What she does is she calls to her chicks. She opens her wings. Those chicks know that call of warning. They run to their mother. Their mother wraps her wings around those chicks and holds them close to her. And in order for that predator to get to those chicks, it has to get through mama. That's a beautiful picture of our father's sheltering wings. But his arms are wide open, waiting. But it's up to us to run to our father. Instead of running in fear, instead of running every other place. Yes, I did go to the doctor, but the first thing I ran to was God. The first one I ran to, and the one I continuously ran to, was God. It seems like in this world, we tend to run here and there for answers, to try to get questions answered and things taken care of. God says, run to me. We have a choice. God says, run to me. And when we do, when we make the choice to run to him in faith, this is what I envision. I envision God just wrapping me up, drawing me close, 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 close to him in a place of familiarity, in a place of safety, in a place of his love. So close that you can literally feel God's heart beat and feel his breath 
on your cheek. And in order for the enemy to get to you, he has to get through God first. That's what I envision when I meditate on this psalm. That's the kind of protection that we're under and the kind of love that we're encompassed with. The next line says, of my declaration says, knowing his truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. Now the scripture says, his truth is a shield and a buckler. But his truth sitting on a shelf does nothing. Knowing his truth. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about knowing is believing. When we know his truth through meditation, through feeding on that word, through letting it come in our ears and in our heart, when we know his truth, it becomes a shield and it becomes a buckler. In our notes, in our, my declarations or my, or my meditation, it says this verse, oops, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong spot. When the enemy comes to whisper, and he does that, when he comes to whisper in your ear fearful things, condemning thoughts, or bad reports, when he comes and he whispers in your ear, you can ward off his attack by standing strong in faith. Amen. Why? Because of God and his faithfulness and his faithfulness to his word. That's the shield of faith. That shield of faith gives us spiritual protection. So the darts of the enemy that he might be shooting at you with reports, with symptoms, with whatever, there is a shield protecting you. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the shield of faith. Verse 15, lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one shield of faith but it comes through knowing the truth and we know in ephesians it also says to declare the truth to declare the word that's the the sword of the spirit so use the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith of the word that's in your heart so we have spiritual protection but that's not all this also says that we have a buckler knowing his truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler So I said, what is a buckler? There's another word that some translations use, and it's a a bulwark, a bulwark or a buckler. So I learned what it was. So go to the next picture, honey. A buckler, this is Jerusalem. This is, Kathy and I and a bunch of others went there, um, not this past winter, but the spring before. And um, and we, we did the walk all around the wall, at the top of the wall of Jerusalem. The bucklers are those towers that are above. See where the fence is? That's the wall. Those bucklers, those towers are above the wall. The purpose of those bucklers are twofold. In the day when that city needed to be fortified with the walls, that's where they would, the watchmen would watch out the the small um, openings for the enemy. That's what a buckler is for us. The enemy will not sneak up on us, our blind side, because that's one of the the promises that God gives us, that knowing his truth is not only spiritual protection, it's also spiritual fortification like the wall around Jerusalem. So we can see the enemy coming. We are aware of the enemy. He's not sneaking up on us. 
but we also can shoot at the enemy with the sword of the spirit through the hole, through that window. So this is literally up on the wall, peering through those holes that were formed all those years ago when they built the bulwark or the buckler, and that's where they were able to defend Jerusalem. Got a couple other pictures because I wanted to show you the magnitude of the buckler. This is kind of hard to see, but if you see in the distance, the three towers, those are the bucklers or the bulwarks. There's many more, but that's just one picture. And the wall is very, very, very high. And you can see the trees aren't even as tall as the wall, and they're full-grown 30, 40, 50, 60 feet trees. And that's the city way down at the bottom or part of the city. And then if you go to the next picture, it's another, I tried to get a, picture of the expanse. I mean, the wall around Jerusalem is much bigger than you can get with a picture, but that's just one of the, the um, sides of the wall around Jerusalem. You can see the bulwarks standing up in different places. So the promise is that we have a shield of faith, which is spiritual protection, and we have a buckler, which is spiritual fortification. Fortified means built up. The truth of the word builds us up. So we not only are defensive, the psalm isn't only defensive, it's also offensive. We're built up, we're strengthened. So that when we speak to the enemy, he has to listen. Our authority just grows up inside of us. And the enemy, he messed with the wrong person. Go ahead and say that. Say, devil, you messed with the wrong person. I have God on my side. I'm under his authority, and you're under mine. Amen. Okay, so here's a couple more beautiful scriptures about our spiritual fortification. Habakkuk 3.19. The Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. We don't have to do it on our own. We have God Our strength, our bravery, our invincible army. Those are the kind of declarations we need to make when we're feeling weak. Here's another one, Philippians 4, 7. The peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That literally means garrison is a military term. The peace of God is a spiritual military term. Literally, our heart is protected. Our heart is surrounded, protected, and our mind. And that's the part that that we deal with the most. The stuff in our head, the stuff in our soul, the stuff in our emotions. Okay, we're going to go on to the next series of scriptures. Verses 5 through 12. More promises. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. 
Well, there's a whole bunch of promises. Let me go to the first one. The first one has four pieces. It says, and I'm declaring this for me. It's from his word, but I'm taking it personally. I say, God, I will not be afraid. I will not. I choose not to be afraid of the terror of the night or the things that lay waste at noonday or I can't remember them all or um, the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. I'm going to tell you what those things refer to because God has promised us protection over every evil known to mankind and they all are in those four categories. The four categories are terror, arrows, pestilence, and destruction. He has promises deliverance from all of them. Psalm 91, this treasure is the preventative measure. I go to the doctor preventatively. This is my spiritual prevention. It's the preventative measure that God has given to his children against every evil known to mankind. So here's the first one, the terror of the night. The terror of the night refers to anything that man can do to us. Robbery, murder, rape, terrorism, anything that evil men could possibly do, we are protected from. You don't have to be afraid of anything harming you or hurting you because now this is all contingent upon your dwelling in the secret place under the shadow of the almighty, trusting him, leaning on him, those first two verses. But when those two verses, when we um, um, uphold that part, then all of this is his promise. I stand believing that promise is for me and you can do the same thing. So the first one is terror. The second one is the arrow. I will not be afraid of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day. Now arrows. Arrows are intentional, specific enemy assignments directed toward your life to defeat you, targeted toward you in the area where your mind's not renewed by the word of God. But here's the good news. We don't need to be afraid. Because those assignments, the promise is, those assignments may rise up, but they will not find their target. That's good news. So, you know, I may have defeated the enemy in one specific area, and then the devil will try to get me in this area. God says, oh no, that's my baby girl. I am protecting her. It's for you. It's for me. We don't have to be afraid. You don't have to say, oh, you know what? I don't, I, don't, I don't have faith in that area. God, what am I going to do? No. God has a promise for you. Just show up. Hang out with him. Commune with him. Love him. Pray. Worship. Read the word. And he says, I'll take care of you. Amen. Amen. The third evil known to mankind, again, is pestilence. He talks about pestilence twice. Pestilence is deadly disease. If you have a fear of disease, this is a scripture for you to really focus on. We have a choice. We have a choice not to be afraid of sickness and disease. We need to refuse to entertain fearful thoughts because what we allow our mind to dwell on is our choice. 
I choose to dwell on the promise that I shall not be afraid of pestilence that stalks in darkness because God's protecting me from it. He says, I don't need to be afraid because he's there taking care of me. We don't need to fear disease. We don't need to fear the what ifs. We don't need to fear what might happen when we get older. Oh no, I've got a better promise. The promise says, my youth is renewed like the eagles. The promise says, I will satisfy you, satisfy you with a long life. We're going to go there in a minute because that's right in this psalm. So we need to choose not to be afraid of disease because God says, that's my promise for you. I take him at his word. The next area that's evil um, that we can overcome with this promise is the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. So this refers to anything over which mankind has no control, like natural disasters or like sudden accidents. This is a promise. God says natural disasters are not going to touch you. Sudden accidents are not going to touch you because you're dwelling in that place, that secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to give you a short testimony right now. When I was still teaching, one day I got out to go to work and I went to start my car and it was completely dead. Didn't make any sound when I turned my key. Not a sound. And it was a, it was a good car. I'd never done anything like that before. So I went in to get Kent and he came out and he had me try it again and he could hear nothing, literally. Open the hood, check the battery cables, checked a few things under there. He says, looks fine to me. Try it again. I tried it again and it rolled over just perfectly like I had never had a problem. And I was like, wow, that was strange. Okay, I'm just going to go to work. It'll be okay. And I drove to work. When I, my normal path that I took was 24 mile all the way across. I live in Shelby. Okay. So when I went to work, the road was closed. There was a section of road that I always go on and the road was closed and there were lots and lots of emergency vehicles. I had to make a big detour around that path. I totally believe that God was protecting me from being in that place just a few minutes earlier. That's the promise of protection. I have another friend, a strong woman of God, and this was several years ago when there was huge flooding downtown Detroit. I don't know if you remember, it was about five or six years ago. And it was so bad that the, the overpasses and the, and the freeways were, the water was all the way on the freeway, all the way to the overpass, and there was terrible flooding. And this one woman I know called me and said, Cindy, pray, Cindy, pray, I can't even get home, I'm trying to get home, and I, I'm, I can't, everywhere I go it's flooded. And... and um, And she's a strong believer. And she says, I'm praying Psalm 91. I'm praying Psalm 91. Well, to make a long story short, she couldn't get home. She couldn't get all the way home. She pulled in this driveway um, near her home. And the woman that lived there came out and said, you can come in. You can come in and just stay here and be safe. So she did. The woman was frantic. She said, let me pray. So she prayed for the woman and her home and her property. She also prayed for her own personal home and her property. She spent the night there because she couldn't get home. The next morning when they got up, where she stayed, where she spent the night, was completely dry, and the whole neighborhood all around, every house around was flooded, except where she and the woman were. She managed to get home. Same thing with her home. Her home was dry. There was no flooding. There was no water in her basement, no water in her home. And every neighbor around them was flooded. That's the promise of protection. 
Natural disasters will not touch us. Sudden death, sudden accidents will not touch us because we have the protection of God. A thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it's not going to come near me. Only a spectator shall I be, myself, inaccessible in the secret place, in the secret place of the Most High, as I witness the reward of the wicked, because I've made the Lord my refuge and the Most High my dwelling place. You notice in this psalm, I think it says this three times, where it talks about the secret place and, and being in his shadow. And then the promises are ours. There shall no evil befall me, nor any plague or calamity come near my dwelling. Now that promise extends to your family. That where it's talking about no calamity, no problem will come near my dwelling. That's my household, my family, my loved ones. This is what I declare over myself and my husband and my children and their spouses and their grandchildren. I take that and I receive that for the rest of my family. For he will give his angels charge over me to accompany and defend and preserve me in all my ways. They shall bear me up on their hands, lest I dash my foot against a stone. So as I was meditating on this this week, I kept thinking, well, God, that's how you do it. It's your angels. That's how you do all this protection. Angels are, are ministering spirits. There's at least two places in the Bible where it says that the angels are our ministering spirits. And I believe they're there for us rescuing us from harm's way, giving us warnings when we need warnings, lifting us up when we need to be up over something so we can see from a different vantage point, whatever it is. They are there helping us. I believe when my car wouldn't start and then it did start, (laughs) I think the angels were in there undoing the battery and then plugging it back in or whatever they were doing to protect me. I want to go back to uh, one piece of meditation I forgot to say. Listen to this. These words, I just gave you lots of promises. We're going to do some more in a minute. These words are not words of comfort in affliction. That's not what they are. These words in this psalm are words of deliverance from affliction. And that's good news. I declare right now, no matter what it is you're fighting, that you have a promise of deliverance from affliction and that's good news amen now there's a switch i'm going to read the the next verse and then i'll tell you how it switches verse 13 you 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 shall tread upon the lion and the cobra the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot So up until now, every promise was about God protecting you, God delivering you, rescuing you, protecting you. But now there's a switch, and God is telling all of us, you will be the one that will tread on the problem. You will be the one that will tread, and there's four kinds of problems we're going to talk about. Lion problems, young lion problems, serpent problems, and cobra problems. We're going to talk about those in a second. But the bottom line is, we have been given authority, but it's up to us to step into that authority and actively take a stand. 
Listen to this, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall by any means harm you. So now God starts to talk to us about the importance that we have because these promises are guaranteed, but they're not automatic. They're our promises. But God says we are to tread. We are to do the treading. We are to do the, the trampling, the standing up and using our authority. So I looked up that word tread. Yes, I did. Show the next picture, Kat. That's a tread. That's a big tread. That is a tank. And the thing going around all of those wheels is the tread of that tank. Now picture for a moment that if that tank is going over um, uh, anything, it's going to flatten it. It's going to be completely crushed, completely flattened because that tank is so powerful. And anything that it treads on will be completely flattened. God says that's what we can do. That we will tread on every problem. We're going to talk about those four kinds of problems. And they will be completely flattened under us. Completely demolished. But all of this is dependent on our faith. And saying, God, you said it, I believe it. And we need to see ourselves like that tank instead of see ourselves as a weakling. God didn't make us weaklings. He gave us tremendous power and tremendous authority. So let's look at those four kinds of problems. The first kind are lion problems. Lion problems are bold, loud, forthright. They come out in the open to hit us head on. They're obvious difficulties that often seem unsurmountable. They're huge. They're in your face. It might be intense pain. It might be a diagnosis. It might be fear that is suffocating you. God says, when you stay in that secret place and dwell in that shadow of the Almighty, that you will tread on those kind of problems. Just like that big tank, that big, huge, immense tank. See yourself treading on that problem. See yourself smashing it. Because we have the authority. Because of the authority of King Jesus. That we are under. And the enemy is under us. That huge lion problem is under us. And we're under Jesus. The next kind of problem are young lion problems. These kind of problems are less obvious. They're smaller issues. But they can, they have the potential to grow into full-scale problems if we don't recognize them and if we become ensnared. Here are some examples. The words out of our mouth, negative words, talking about the problem. You're feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it. It might not seem like a big deal. But as you feed it, feed it, feed it, it grows. Not just, not just in your soul. It can grow in your body. It can grow in your life. It can take over. The enemy is tricking you into taking his bait. And it can grow into a lion problem. Another example is offense, unforgiveness, bitterness. If you allow those things to come in and you feed them, you let it fester 
Maybe it's a continuous issue, so you keep being offended. I did that for 23 years, I believe it was. I had a huge offense against my sister, and I kept feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, till I had this huge, bitter root in my soul, and God spoke to me and told me how dangerous it was. That's another whole story. But that's an example of a small lion problem that can grow, 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 and manifest in a huge, huge issue. Those are just a couple of examples. The next kind of problem are cobra problems. Cobra, like a snake in the grass, an undercover attack that takes you by surprise. An example is, again, a deceptive scheme of the enemy that you can keep hidden. And it doesn't seem like a big deal. Addictions. That's an example. Addictions, whether it's pornography, whether it's alcohol, whether it's a drug addiction of some sort. You can just kind of keep it under, under, under you know, hidden. And then all of a sudden, it can completely, like a cobra, come and just steal everything. Steal your marriage, steal your, your finances, steal your health. The last kind is a serpent problem, and this is a big one. I see this a lot in the body of Christ. A serpent, when it talks about a serpent in the Bible, it's a fictional animal. It's not a real animal. It's fictional. And a serpent problem is a fictional problem. I call them counterfeits, but boy, they don't look like counterfeits. They don't smell like counterfeits. They don't feel or taste like counterfeits. They feel really, really real. But they're not. Many times, a lion problem that you've overcome becomes a serpent problem. For example, cancer. You overcome cancer. You're healed of cancer. But then the fear of recurring cancer can become that serpent problem. God says, we have the power to tread on those things and not let them suck the life out of us, not let fear take over. So a serpent problem, I want to read what I have here. Unfounded fears, phantom or mirage fears, vain imaginations. The thing, though, with, with these serpent problems is they don't feel or they, they look very real. I've experienced them. I have experienced symptoms so real in my body, but they weren't real. You had that, Glenn, recently. He had a, a mass in his belly that wasn't a mass in his belly. He had pain. He had this spot that he kept asking for prayer for. He was fighting fear like crazy. And he went and he had it tested and there was nothing there. And as soon as he had that test done and found there was nothing there, the symptom left. The enemy can do that. It's not real. It's one of these serpent problems. But our part is to tread on that thing. And to say no to it. The next two verses, the last three verses of the scripture, verses 14 through 16. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So... Here's my declaration. You see a blank. Put your name in that blank. And this is what I say. 
God, God spoke this to me years ago. This is one of the rhema words he gave me several years ago. And he said to me, Cindy, because you've set your love upon me, because you know and understand my name, because you have a personal knowledge of my mercy, my love, and my kindness, because you trust me and rely on me, knowing I will never forsake you. No, never. And then there's a series of promises. But before we talk about the promises, there is such a powerful truth here that our daddy loves us so much. And when we know his love, when we know that we're known by him, just like this says, he wrote the word, the Holy Spirit wrote this word for us. And he says, you need to know me, my name, my love, my mercy, my kindness. It's like a daddy, an indulgent father. And I like to say, loves to spoil his kids. I'm that kind of a grandma. I love to love on my babies. I love to give them what their heart's desire is. Cora's birthday Saturday, and I've been shopping. Oh, it's fun. It's really fun. It's an indulgent, loving daddy does. It's what an indulgent relationship is filled with. Wanting to pour out your blessings, wanting to pour out your support, wanting to pour out everything you can possibly do for that one that you love so much. True protection has everything to do with closeness. And as we are in that close relationship with our God, that's where that true protection and help is the, is the strongest. So God's promise says, okay, baby girl, okay, son, when you know me, you know my name, you know the power of my name, you know my kindness, my mercy, my love, and here's the promises. Number one, therefore, I will deliver you. He's our deliverer. Whether it's something we need delivered of from the inside, like pain or disease or a diagnosis or fear or whatever it is. He's there to deliver us on the inside. He's also there to deliver us from the outside, from accidental deaths, from national or natural disasters, from anything that could come at you from outside. He's there to protect us. He will deliver us. Number two, I will set you on high. That means above the problem, not beneath it. Number three, you, Cindy, you, Glenn, you, Sarah, will call on me and I will answer you. Number four, I will be with you in trouble and I will rescue you. That's present tense. That's ongoing. Yes, Jesus was our redeemer. He paid the price all of those years ago. But he's here to rescue you from this situation and rescue you from that situation and pull you out of that situation. He's our rescuer, present tense. Number four, oh, I'm sorry, number um, five, I, and I will honor you. Oh, that one just blows me away. We're called to minister to God and to bless his holy name and to honor him, all honor, all glory to him. And he says he'll honor us. He will honor us. What does that look like? 
He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us priests. He honors us by answering us. He honors us by the giftings that he trusts us with. Number six, with long life will I satisfy you. That's our promise. With long life, I take that as a whole lifespan, my full lifespan, till I'm really, really, really old. My dad's 91. My mom's 89. I'm going to get there and beyond. And not only will we live a long life, it says it will be a satisfied life. That's what Jesus came to give us, an abundant life. Not a sick life, not a depressed life, not a fear-filled life, a satisfied life. And the last one, and I will show you my salvation. Salvation, that beautiful word, salvation. This is the Old Testament, and I didn't look that up to see, but I bet it's soteria. Actually, that's a New Testament. That's a Greek word. Probably Yeshua. I need to look that up. I bet it's Yeshua. I will show you my salvation and the fullness of salvation, healing, rescue, deliverance, protection, provision, safety, all that salvation holds, all that salvation includes. This is our amazing treasure, the psalm. And like I said, over the last week, God just, just, no, the last month, he's just raised this up in me and it was like, I want to share it with you. I just want to share because this is a beautiful word to take, to meditate on and to receive for yourself. 